0: Welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. I'm in the studio with Jesse Parker Humphreys and Becky Taylor-Gill. How are we doing, guys? After a big weekend. I'm OK. went to sleep at half nine last night. So I am refreshed. Wow. Oh, I, I'm jealous. I know. I was going to say, I wish I'd gone to bed. Is hell. this off
1: the back of you going to a club <laughs> night and having to leave at 2am because you're so tired because you got up
2: at nine that morning? <laughs> yeah. Any time before 9am is like the crack of dawn to me. I'm self-employed, guys. Come on. <laughs> Yeah, I was just really tired. But then I also, I got home at three and then I got up to try and get Glastonbury tickets, didn't get them and then went straight to Charlton. So, you know, I didn't have that much sleep. And I was on the sofa at like half eight, like I need to wait out like at least another hour. Still late this morning though, weren't you? <laughs> I was actually only late by four minutes. I had just warned you just in case I was later.
0: I am not that late. I, come on, that's thunder. No you, no, you have got better. You have got better. Get your lawyer say. out. What what am I, Colleen Rooney? No, <laughs> come on. I do think you've got better. I do think you've got better. I will say I am not. That <laughs> to be
1: fair, I bullshit. will say I will say no. I have sympathy for you because I obviously normally travel in from quite far. Yeah. But if I stay in Lewisham, I'm always late. Yeah, yeah, It's yeah. like the
0: closer you are, the harder it is. The harder yeah. it's it the, the problem is to be with South London guys. You can't
2: be on time if you live in South London. When when you're in Lewisham, that's when I'm like, oh great. That's when I. Because you know I'll I be like, I checked late. my find my friends when I was running late, and you were like way further behind me, and I was like, all good, <laughs>
0: <laughs> won't rush. <laughs> no, I do think like from when we first met years ago, you're not like used to be much more late than I now. I am. That is such a lie. That is
2: such a lie. I hate being late.
0: Well, well, Who you doing do me
1: with so You <laughs> <laughs> Don't do it. I'm just winding you up now. Also, we should have saved this conversation for Thursday, because this is actually a key part of Cleek cute. Oh, it is actually,
0: yeah. Jilly? G- Becky. <laughs> Becky, you need to. Maybe start... you confuse me with Jilly. Maybe she's always low. No, Jilly's always low. Jilly's very punctual. Becky, you
2: need to get reading the book because Oh, I've got it in my bag. I'm going to the going to a cafe after. Okay. Gonna read my lesbian smut in public. <laughs> Maybe you'll have a meet cute you with your Cleek cute.
1: I was reading it on the tube this morning and I was like, oh, I don't know if I can read this on the tube. Because I was reading it on my iPad as well, so the screen's very, very readable. That's why yeah. it's good to
0: be reading on your iPhone because you can just be like, well, no one you can see. You one of those see. privacy
1: screen protectors. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas
0: a like you saying it, it takes easier. huge paperback. Like, No, nope. it's
1: easier to be secret with a book.
0: Yeah, yeah, you just
2: face it down. Mm. I am going to highlight passages and and put notes in. So I'm going to be ready. Okay, I'm ready.
0: Uh, how was Charlton, by the way? Mm. Wow, dread to kay Longhurst and, <laughs> and,
2: and Jeff. <laughs> no, oh, OK. Well, like, I had a great time with the Longhursts. <laughs> honorary Longhurst for the day. But obviously, they drew. And it was not a great goal to concede very late on. And, like, they had all of the ball. And it just, Sunderland just had a few counterattacks. And probably had, like, especially in the first half, better chances. But... Charlton, Kate went down for a little pep talk at half time and Charlton came out firing in the second half. So she's wow, got she got. Well, she went into the dressing room. Yeah,
1: she's got a future Huge. in management there. Um, Did you, that, I wish you'd gone with her. <laughs> Come
0: I on wish guys. she gave us a pep
1: talk before a pod. Come on, guys, <laughs> you can do
0: it. Come on, guys, get into the studio. Really show them what you
1: <laughs> And
0: Charlton is still top of the table.
2: Yes, on goals scored, but they. It, it's a. It feels like a loss because that. The goal that Sunderland scored was entirely Charlton's fault. It was awful wow, um, right at the last minute. So
0: At least it couldn't be Kate's fault because she was in the start. <laughs> <laughs> no, maybe it was a half-time team tour that actually meant they conceded late on. Who knows? You never know.
1: Hmm.
0: Could be. Dunno. Could be. But, um, you know, we'll have to wait and see when we next see Kate how long Charlton are going to be able to stay at the top. We hope for the whole season. And yeah, then she she was being because I was obviously getting carried away being like I've got a red flare
2: at home that I'm going to bring out when Charlton win the league. Also, have you seen the last day fixtures in the Championship? It's Charlton Southampton, Charlton at home, and Sunderland Crystal Palace. So the top ooh, four at the moment playing each so other. Interesting. Interesting. Um, wow! So I'm gonna have my red flare, and she was like, "There's a long
1: way to go. Long way to go also, to the end of the season." And did I'm you like, s- "You're d- gonna win."
0: Did you see the Southampton Palace game? Southampton winning four three. Massive uh, game. Palace
1: can't avoid just, just chaos drama. I'm like kind are, of obsessed with they it for them. They score
0: loads of goals but concede so many. No goals. offense to Kate, but I might be supporting Crystal Palace. No, no no, 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 I want a Charlton victory in I the am championship. I'm a Charlton ultra now, and I want an open open top bus parade round Southeast London. Yes, I will wow. be there.
2: Buy the IKEA. Buy the IKEA. We could <laughs> then do then for meatballs.
1: Like... <laughs> <laughs> and the, the pizza hut that I always went to for kids parties. Yeah, next yeah the we'd go for
0: the buffet. It'd be great. Mm. Wow. Okay. I plans. Love a pizza hut buffet. Plans. 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 Right. Um. We have lots of WSL drama to get into. We had the derby. We had the game at Stanford Bridge, and lots of discourse. What game as at well. Stanford Bridge?
1: <laughs> Didn't
0: happen. Becky's gonna um just bleep out that 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 section of the pod. You I'm know actually I mean? so fuming. Just abstain from talking about it. The
2: first time I'm in on a Monday to talk about WSL football is when Liverpool lose badly. We, like, we didn't they, do it on
0: purpose though. Sure.
1: <laughs> it's because okay, you were be from my lawyer. He refused to come in after you told her to shut up on Twitter.
0: <laughs> anyway, let's start with that Manchester Derby at Old Trafford. Well, that was a, a very fun game on Sunday night. It Because of the men's international break, I feel we got a, a very good taste of like a proper Super Sunday sort of spectacle. Because when Premier League is in play... WSL games come in that kind of later slot, which That's is annoying. Six point five kickoff, Six forty five. through I the end of it. <laughs> <laughs> which is a bit of a nightmare. But I loved that we got a proper Ford Super Sunday four thirty kickoff, and that also meant you got good amount of build up because of that slightly boring Arsenal Brighton game, and you got a lot of post match analysis, which is like the proper Super Sunday experience as well. And then we got all the drama thrown in for the game. Um, I want to start with. Mark Skinner's lineup because that had already got the chaos brewing on Twitter because lots of United fans were frustrated about the changes that he made, but most importantly, Jade Riviere not starting and Leah Galton going in at left back and Hannah Blundell playing at right back. And when the teams came out, it was all just about that and and Skinner making what a lot of fans perceived as like quite. Big risky changes in what is such a defining game and a big game at Old Trafford in front of uh, forty three thousand or so fans. Obviously, a huge occasion that Man United had been building up to for weeks. They had the dry ice out. They had the flames. Dry um, ice. I missed that. You missed it. The, I, the I missed the first ten minutes because I was playing football. It, we were really going for it. Um, but yeah, that that formation lineup, um, all the nightmares that maybe Mark Skinner had had about. Uh, Lauren Hemp and Chloe Kelly potentially destroying his fullbacks, kind of came true. And unfortunately, even though Leah Galton has played in that position before, when she is forced to sit so deep. Um, and not push forward, which is obviously where she's kind of better is going forward and playing an attack. And she's not defensively as assured as um, if Blundell was playing there and Riviere was playing at right back. But that instantly just felt like that United was so pinned back. And therefore, when they were playing out for the back and City could just push them back, push them back with a a press that was then sort of like just uh, swarming and suffocating United It felt from there that United were going to be in trouble, even though they took the lead and also had that disallowed goal where the ball went off, which became a whole nother discourse. But it felt like even when United got the lead and they were creating opportunities through Jay-Z and Mallard, City always felt like they had the upper hand because those opportunities with United playing out from the back and not looking comfortable were always going to come.
1: Yeah, and I mean, obviously it's unfortunate, like Skinner said after the game, that Riviere could only play 45 minutes. And we've had this sort of thing from Skinner before because he said the same thing about JC in the the PSG game, right? And I guess it comes back to this question of like, is it better maybe to be able to start with that player and then have to take them off if you need to, um, rather than, you know... Either maybe, presumably he hoped that he wouldn't need to necessarily bring a role at all. But it did just feel like ugh, at halftime, you're really then telegraphing to the opposition that yeah, like you're struggling and you've got to bring this player on who hasn't been playing. And I thought like Riviera, to be honest, was, was really, really good then when she did come on. Um, and I guess that shows what United were missing. But it was kind of familiar for United, I think, in terms of that struggle from playing at the back. We've seen them... In in big games in the past, I think, particularly against Chelsea, they've just been picked off far too easily in those moments. And yeah, it, it did sort of repeatedly happen throughout this game. It wasn't my Letizia's, um greatest showing in a Manchester United shirt. But I think also from the Manchester City perspective, what impressed me was that City we've seen them as a team like repeatedly come out of the blocks really really fast in in lots of their games this season they did against Chelsea they did against Arsenal and then in both of those games for a variety of different reasons they've not managed to go on and get the win and when united scored the penalty i thought oh this is going to be the same thing for city they've started really well they haven't got a goal and now you know the opposition have and how they're going to deal with it because obviously in the arsenal game it was like it totally threw them off. But I think what was really impressive and really important and kind of fitting in terms of what she said earlier in the week that when Jill Rod scored was they did manage to carry on pushing and they didn't lose their heads. And, you know, Rawd had said earlier that she sometimes felt City focused too much on how they played and not enough on how they wanted to win. And she said it had been the opposite sort of at Wolfsburg. Um, but I felt like that is something that's occasionally been missing for City. And yeah, I thought, you know, to come back and score those two goals in really quick succession, both of them great goals, was... Um, I thought it was fair justification for how good City, have, I think, have been this season. I think them losing to Arsenal Brighton on the bounce maybe put some question marks in people's minds about whether they are good. But I think this game, like, kind of proved some of those people wrong.
0: And I think it's the first time in the WSL, in a Manchester derby, that uh, City have been trailing and then gone on to win the game. I
1: think it was their first away win
0: in a Manchester derby, potentially. Yeah, because I think they, they they drew a couple of those, didn't they? Yeah. And then, but I think it's the first time when they've gone goal a goal down, they've turned it around to win, which is important. And also, yes, iconic uh, Jill Roard no filter moment when midweek she manages to basically slag off her teammates and clubs, saying in Germany at least we want to win um, CBA with playing with the ball so much. But she'd been out of form and she brought it back because this is what City had been crying out for in the last couple of weeks is someone to finish from mid field and take the pressure off Kelly and Shaw and Hemp, and she did that with a really nice finish, Um, and I'm glad that like we might see a bit of Jill World form again and she doesn't fall into that sort of like hot, cold trap that we see a lot. Slagging off her teammates is her motivation. That's what makes her tick. To be fair, I've
1: got to be honest, I think those quotes are some of the more reasonable quotes I've ever heard (laughs) her say. I know it's a pretty crazy bar, but I'm like... I do think that's that's been true about City. There there has been a sense that they don't have that same like rooflessness that you see from maybe like Chelsea or Arsenal when when they're at the very best. And equally I think it's true about Wolfsburg that a lot of the time like they look rubbish but they do find a way. And I think if you can bring some of that sort of will to win to the City team. I think that's I think that's a good thing.
0: Yeah, and City are, City are like quite wasteful times and what they set a new WSL record the other day in that Brighton game for the most shots. What was it, like, 35 or something? Um, it's just ironic that Giroir was complaining about having too much of the ball. I thought, you wanted to go to Barcelona, hun. I don't know how you would have <laughs> coped. Do you want to just play in transition? I don't think. But we had everything in this game and um, it was one that uh, the result... Um, like looking at the Man United perspective first the result really kind of increased the annoyance factor that we saw before the game amongst United fans who have ever since Mark Skinner came in been frustrated sometimes with their lack of like seeing out games and an over-reliance on like Skinner time late uh, goals to keep them in it or turn around games and I feel like You know, some of the questions we got as well, especially from uh, Jeff Longhurst on Twitter, (laughs) um, was really focused on Skinner's future. And after this result, it feels like there's a lot more pressure on them because we do see them like push and push in the league. But so often when they play those top four games and we've seen them got better uh, you know not so much against Chelsea but certainly against Arsenal and City in recent years but still like the crucial games that will go on to define their season they're yet to really get the upper hand in control in and that is frustrating United fans and feels like is it ultimately going to be Skinner's legacy and what leads to you know him potentially either stepping down in the summer or being let go because these United fans want more than that, especially at Old Trafford, because they have built a good following in a short space of time, given you know the size of the brand and the club. But those fans want more. And there was a lot of frustration and annoyance on Twitter afterwards. Like, you know, a lot of people sort of hinting Skinner out because the performance wasn't good enough.
2: I think it's tough because I think they did maybe overperform last year. I don't think maybe they would have expected to finish second. And if they hadn't, you would still look at them and be like, "Yes, they are building something." Um, and so, you know, maybe he's made his own bed in a bit of an unfortunate way. But also, I mean, when we're having this conversation about Emma Hayes, like, it, there's—it's not like there is like a, a huge wealth of coaching talent for United to pick from, and. I think especially in men's football, we see so many teams just get rid of managers so quickly when they're not performing and, and not give them the time and the resource to to do well. And in women's football, obviously, resource is such a big question. And so, I I don't know. I do think if they don't get top three, then he is at risk. But I don't really see a... a like. Not that there's no better options, but when you've put time and resource into developing a team and a coach, I think maybe you have to see it out for a bit longer.
0: United now in fourth, so they're seven points back from Chelsea. Jesse, that the the question that um, Becky's just kind of answered around if United don't get Champions League, will that be the end of Skinner? That was. I think we got three questions on Twitter about that. Do you think it would be? I don't know if it would be in, in the sacking sense, but I think he might leave rather than... I, I think it might. he might see, like, I need a new project, they need a new person here, and it's not working. And I don't know... I mean, part of it might be the fan pressure that leads to it, but I do think if they don't get to a domestic cup final. It feels like if you get to a domestic cup final, and you're placing Chelsea, then you're cursed regardless. But if they don't get to a domestic cup final or win something and then not get Champions League, I do think even with losing Bachet and Russo, there might be a frustration from the owners about like the fact that they have invested in this squad and got players that, that Skinner has wanted and not achieved.
1: I can kind of see both sides of this one. Um, I know Tim Stillman's been sort of saying all season that there's one of Gareth Taylor or Mark Skinner will have to go. And I think we will see that flip and flop before the season like ends up in terms of who looks most. But I agree. There,
0: there was a lot of questions which on Twitter saying who's going to go first.
1: <laughs> <laughs> but I think there's a couple of things. I think Skinner doesn't really help himself in terms of the way he communicates. I don't think he's someone you really like feel like he's passionate necessarily about the club. Sometimes the way he talks, it almost makes it feel like he's a bit above it all. And I think it's really interesting to kind of compare him to Jonas Eideval, who, despite at points, I think having fans sort of question exactly what he's doing, seems to have overwhelmingly still be seen as sort of being passionate about Arsenal and the right person to lead Arsenal. And obviously what the club have done with his contract it influences that. But, you know, that's still somebody who um, had Arsenal like being knocked out of the Champions League and qualifying. Like there's it, there's, it would easily, I think, if Skinner was at Arsenal and got those results, he would have a very different reaction because of the way he communicates. On the flip side, I kind of have some sympathy for Skinner in terms of like, I don't think the way... United have dealt with the departures and sort of reforming this team has been ideal for him. Like there were lots of like very, very late signings. I think it's clear that he has no idea what his best 11 is. He's then sort of had issues with, you know, you bring Gabby George in like right at the end of the transfer window and then she immediately does her ACL. Like that stuff could have been hard even if Gabby George was fit because you're bringing her in so late. And I think there is this sense that like United's, business above Skinner isn't being run in a way that's conducive to having a manager that succeeds and I do think there's there's an extent where it's like well maybe I kind of agree with what Becky's saying like maybe Skinner's not the best person for the job but I'm, I'm not really sure who is and I think there are lots of things that he does that are irritating in their own way but there's also lots of things that I do think have been done well in the past Um, so I think you've got to kind of try and find that balance that being said you know if if there is a feeling that he doesn't have that connection with the club that's also a valid thing to say and he clearly does have obvious tactical flaws so I think it's almost like you're like is it better the devil you know or like sometimes you just want to give it a new go
0: yeah I think there is a disconnect I don't know if it's it, it, if it's like him, he's not embedded in the club, but the the things he wants and the way he sees it are very different to what maybe the fans and some of those at the club want. And I think that's the disconnect rather than him not having buy-in. And when you see what Arsenal are doing, re- obviously they still haven't had tons to shout about. They had that huge Conti Cup win, but there is still like a overall buy-in. And when it comes to recruitment from Claire Wheatley, like that that's very aligned a lot of the time, even though there are Scandi players, which Ida always kind of had a preference for. Like there is still alignment quite a lot on like, we'll try and get you who we want. We, sometimes we have a preference. There does feel like a bit of a disconnect there and it hasn't helped with United having questions about who the future owners are and where the investment's coming from. And that will have a knock-on effect. And like new CEOs and all this kind of stuff, like feels like, Inevitably the women's team are just kind of in limbo about that. Brid Kehoe has asked, and this is another one that is going to come up again for, for United. Will Mary Ups maybe go in January? Because her contract is up. Uh, you know, reports in the summer about how she didn't want to stay at United, has been linked to Arsenal. That could be another. Issue for Skinner to deal with, and would be losing a huge player. And now I'm looking, thinking, well, Ellie Roebuck's kind of in, you know, in the background, falling out of favourite of city. Maybe she, she will you. be the around no, roundabout. She, Everybody switch.
1: Ellie Roebuck though, she's really batting at eyelashes at Arsenal. Yeah. so <laughs> that's, liking, that's where the fight is. She's
0: been liking a few tweets, but I also do think. Some of that is just like your England teammates, like you'll be happy for them. But I know people like to read I into it. I haven't seen her. her
1: like anything about Millie Bright.
0: It's <laughs> because she didn't play on the weekend. But yeah, it's I think it's going to be interesting what happens there and it could be another headache for him to deal with. A specific thing I want to talk about though, Jesse, is that... United midfield, which just feels like a, a gaping hole for them at the moment. Uh, someone who's drifted out now, even though she's had three starts this season, is is Haley Ladd, who, um, you know, because of changes in that system, is is not featuring as much this season, but. Ella Toon has, we have to say, struggled um, and she has spent some time, like she has been dropped this season and come back in. She was poor on Sunday. Uh, Katie Zellum never seemed to get um, a grip on the the game and Irene Guillero played eight minutes, is injured. Feels like we're never going to see her ever. So that United midfield feels like it's really suffering and... If they had a midfield that was maybe looking more comfortable and and asserting itself more in games, then that might also relieve the pressure from that back line which is sort of like forcing itself to play backwards because it feels like it doesn't have the options in midfield and when you drop Galton back it's like where's that outlet on the left wing that is so important to them? I think they really suffered um, Sunday because of that. Nilesland had a pretty poor game and I feel like they were just really struggling to win those midfield battles and City weren't doing great either but once they got control and could push forward and press it was like oh okay now United are are, are never really going to quite make that connection work
1: yeah I mean firstly it was driving me mad after the sending off that like they had like JC coming out wide and they had Leah Galton in the centre I was like why do you Anyway, I was like, I don't know what's going on here. Um, yeah, I think the midfield is is an area where Skinner feels particularly confused about what he wants to do. I think dropping Ladd felt like a attempt at having some more creativity in that area, potentially being able to play Miyazawa and Toon together with Katie Zellum. Um, but then I think that midfield doesn't really offer much sort of defensive protection and so Naslund I guess maybe is like the attempt at the the between of it but like she's not played that much so it doesn't really surprise me that they don't really have the relationships there. Um, Toon's obviously not been in great form for a long time although I will say she totally bailed them out against Brighton the other week so it's not like she's done nothing for them this season Um, but again I can kind of it feels strange then when you've got sort of Toon coming out and Miyazawa comes in and it's just so much change from a team that was so incredibly settled last year and I think that's where again United need to ask themselves like are you willing to take the like short like do you believe there's long-term gain to be had from Skinner figuring this out because I think it's understandable that there is some short-term pain when he's figuring out how to work with a better squad how to evolve the team. how to make them play better and then he's dealing with injuries he's dealing with good players leaving he's dealing with previously good players not playing very well um but I think again that's that's a tough thing to to figure out and then you look at like why City have looked good and you know we're still talking about a team who's lost twice this season but a big part of the reason why City look good is because they literally only have changed one player and they're starting 11 from last year so I think there's There's obviously issues with the fact that Skinner can't decide how to find the balance in this team. Um, And, you know, it's perfectly valid to question the decisions he's made around um, trying to find that balance. I personally think, like, they've been interesting decisions. I don't think, like, that I'm like, oh, my God, this is crazy. And even, like, the Leah Golden left-back thing, you're like, okay, like, what else do you do you put my Letizia right back and play Gemma Evans then you're breaking up your centre back and you have to play Gemma Evans we dragged
0: Gemma Evans so much on this pod poor girl but do you know what I mean like
1: (laughs) that's that's just tough like that that's a really frustrating thing to happen before your biggest game of the season like to have to refigure your back line and you know like I don't know sometimes you have to Kind of take some of those things into account as well. Will uh, Will Irene
0: Guerrero be able to like actually?
1: Irene Guerrero was always a weird signing. I don't understand it. <laughs> okay,
0: because everyone saw holding on, be like, "Don't worry, guys." She's this was like save what it us. was
1: with Lisa Naslund last year. It was like Lisa Naslund will save our midfield, and, and then now you she see didn't. her, and
2: you are like, Meh. The problem with the like all of that question about it, you know him figuring those things out is that the WSL is just so much shorter than like men's football. You don't have time to figure it out, and so people get like antsy, like way quicker, and and that's just, I don't know, I don't know, it's just unfortunate, you can't really do anything about that until the league expands, which is a whole other question.
0: Well, Karen Carney kind of touched on it in the coverage last night after the game saying, um, and I think this question from uh, Yoshui on Twitter kind of speaks to this, is will Arsenal and City and United just continue to have basically a mid-off <laughs> underneath Chelsea? <laughs> and that's kind of what Karen Carney hinted about, which is like you know, Chelsea are so far ahead and obviously Hayes leaving will change that potentially, but Chelsea are so far ahead it is like these three teams just having a mid-off behind it's that that
2: meme where the guy's on his phone and and eating the chips and everyone's having a fight behind him like that's chelsea and that's the rest yeah, of them or
0: what's that meme where that person's coming into the party and it's like people don't know it's like the chelsea are coming into the party and it's just like that's City, not as good a United, as the one that i did arsenal just in their little crew but it is it's like you know just battle it amongst yourselves for what Champions League qualify spot that you don't that even, you win. Don't even win. <laughs> it's, it's brutal we need to talk about City though um, because it is an important result for them especially when they were looking like they were drifting feels like the the title race is still going to be, you know, a little bit beyond them because they've lost two games, but they needed to assert themselves and they needed to get confident again in front of goal because having all those shots against Brighton fluffing their lines and just overall looking like, it, like they're in a negative space look like it could, you know, start to take its toll. But I do think they've put themselves in a good position to make sure that they can try and secure champions league again. But, um, do you think, Jesse, that like there's been some good amount of progress in that team? Or you still think like city a city and they still might surprise us with some poor results along the line? I think they have been
1: far better than they were last year. I think it really helps that um Chloe Kelly is in great form. I think when you see Lauren Hemp scoring goals like that, you're like, yeah, if this could happen more often, um, then that would be amazing. But like, yeah, you look at Kelly, like she's scored against Chelsea, she's scored against Arsenal, and she's got an assist against United. I think... Obviously, City have lost twice and everyone loves this. You know, no one's ever won the league and and lost more than twice. And maybe this goes into the middle off thing. That's like, that's so crazy. But maybe that's this such will, a crazy Guys, start. maybe this year will be the first year. Maybe this year will be the first year. Or but maybe Chelsea's Chelsea still unbeaten, don't but... even lose the entire Like, you, you don't really know. And I, I think it's silly to be like, oh, clearly City, I don't think, really feel out of the best of the rest race and then really we're waiting to see if chelsea will drop points and what i will say is in city's favor is that they've now played all of the their title rivals once and chelsea for example have only played city so far and they could only draw that game so you know city have got four points from those games okay the brighton loss is frustrating um but i think four points from you know three games against your title Rivals, two of which are away. It's a really good position to be in, actually. And then just looking at their their games towards Christmas, they've got Spurs and Villa at home, Everton away, and that takes them up to Christmas. And you're like, well, they'll win all of those, probably. You'd like to think they win all those. We know they can put good runs together against smaller teams normally. So when you've also got Arsenal and Chelsea playing each other in that time period, I think they're in a good position, and I. I think they feel like a good settled team. The only thing is I really think they need to stop having players be sent off <laughs> because it hasn't really technically cost them yet unless you count Chelsea getting the equalizer um, but Which I, I think, think you do, could you do count that you have to count that yeah, although I still think Chelsea might have found it easier in the same way united yeah. I think might yeah. have found it easier to get a goal back if they were playing against eleven um but I think at some point, if it carries on, like the ill discipline is going to... Yeah. But I
2: don't... I don't know. I like that. Second yellow yesterday, I think, is so soft.
1: Oh, but no. it's so stupid. It's 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 a very standard it's one so, that you just yeah. She yeah. literally she just
0: touches her arm and she... Yeah, she f- does. But
1: like, obviously Garcia is going to... As soon as you feel that contact, like, yeah. you've got Wh- to... where
0: it is and the passage of play. And, the, and just... obviously
2: the Alex Greenwood one is, I think, Ridiculous. And they, so, the Alex Greenwood
0: one is the one that's ridiculous. No, but then but the line-up the, in that game no, is no, stupid. Jesse, the Wahabi one the is still one silly. That's really ridiculous. Silly. That's yes. the most ridiculous. So should have fewer red cards. But uh, but they've had
1: four red cards this season. The entire rest of the Women's Super League has had one. <laughs> <laughs> but it,
0: you would you would if you're Taylor, you would be a little bit worried. We'll I discount think. two of those. And someone so what, they're still double so, on the whole so rest still, of them, yeah. We <laughs> did have a question on Twitter about that as well. Like, is that you know, is it going to become a discipline issue? Because I would say you know. Uh, Wahabi won minus one, Greenwood minus one, but the other two are stupid. Uh, City were my pick for being able to push Chelsea the furthest. I do think they're a really good team, but they embarrassed me with that Brighton result because that has (laughs) now kind of changed the dynamic of their whole season because they were playing so well and Chloe Kelly is in the form of her life and we have to shout her out for her celebrations as well and her Instagram post. Oh, what a caption. Chloe Kelly. Oh my god. I gosh. just wish my months... I'm obsessed with We're... her. I am really obsessed at with her. At what point, like
2: how long ago did she think oh, if yeah. we get a win, this like was what she I... listening to the song like but months ago it... and was like, hold on a second. <laughs> O.T. Oh, <dear. laughs>
0: but she did, she did, she like went for it even at Meadow Park when she scored. She was really giving it the big one in that game. Like when oh, she yeah, scored yeah, against Arsenal. No, I love to see it. She didn't
1: even score the goal. I <laughs> mean, she deserved to celebrate it because she created the goal like fully, but like she was still all go over it as yeah, if yesterday. she had yeah. scored. But yeah. she
0: did. She did the ear. Then she did like the the <laughs> shirt tap. It's you know what annoys me, and this is such a dig, but I'm really annoyed that Man City women don't have more fans because I'm like Chloe Kelly is giving you everything. Mm. She is giving you everything. She's in the form of her life. She's the only respectable thing coming out of West London when it comes to QPR right now, <laughs> and she's doing it on the world stage. She's doing a, incredible like tweets and Instagrams. But I need City to turn out for their women's team. And I know the gag has always been that City men don't even have that many fans and they don't sell out some games. But, like, you have a really fun squad Mm. with really big names and the vibes are really hot, as we know. Like, the, the personalities there are good. The content is funny. Please turn out. Like I know they've got better, better numbers at the CFA, but like, why don't City women have more fans? Yeah, you know Genuinely. what? Like, like that's I've never really
2: thought about that before, but now I'm like, all of my, all of my oops.
0: Yeah, it's I've all got Arsenal, Chelsea. A, I don't know any other. City It's all fans. Arsenal, Chelsea, United when it comes to like WSL big four fan bases. And you're like City. Maybe, they're just, are, maybe yeah. they're just
2: quieter on Twitter. Maybe let's they're just be get, having getting along with their business and not, not arguing. Maybe they just don't get rattled as much as
0: <laughs> True, could be. Uh, we've got to talk about uh, the other big discourse game of the weekend. So let's get into Chelsea-Liverpool next. Only one place to start this, guys fan discourse is back and booing discourse actually because Becky got tuttered for booing in the away end I got shushed
2: by <laughs> my own fans for booing uh, for booing a corner I was like guys come on man <laughs> like someone threw a flare
0: onto the pitch before the game yeah who is that you need to just sit next I, to that I, person yeah, yeah, This is have, what's yeah. so annoying it's like it's clearly some in that crowd are really up for it they're bloody throwing flares in the pitch and then they're like shh don't boo please
1: respect Stamford Bridge as a library <laughs> <laughs> that's part of the culture me and my friend John I was exhausted after that game because I felt like we were
2: like the only ones like I think you were tired all it weekend it the, You was, really? yeah. need to look into it <laughs> I was giving it the big one and really trying and it was just like I mean I do think the away fans were pretty good but and it is tiring when you're like a smaller amount and it's like fucking Dead in you're Stanford getting, Bridge. And you're getting smashed. And we're getting smashed, <laughs> yeah. Um so like the
0: vibes go down, but come on, come on, man. And also the vibes were so good at the Emirates that Liverpool away end. And it did help that they were in the game and yeah. playing well and then get the goal. So obviously that has, you know, the vibes are gonna go up on the vibes graph. I would like to say, I
2: fucking love WSL away ends. I loved it. It yeah. was great. But I had to go through the most annoying process, right, to get these tickets. You had to have a membership. I could, I, You couldn't buy two tickets with your own membership. I had to allocate my friend John's ticket to my mum. Does was, she get points for that, though? Is there a pro? Does she get loyalty points or something? Not for Liverpool women, no. Oh, damn. Um, uh, so I had to allocate it to her because she was already in my friends and family. And then they emailed the ticket to her. So she had to email it back to me to give it to my friend John, right? So if this away end... It's packed full of Liverpool fans and I've gone through that process, fine. But I had a family of Chelsea fans sat in front of me. I was like, what are you doing here? Maybe they were Liverpool men's fans and Chelsea women's so, fans. No, there is a
1: very prominent Chelsea <laughs> women's fan who that is true
2: about. <laughs> I, I think that they must have been friends of the family of one of the Liverpool players because when Mary oh, Taylor yes, was yes. warming up they were like trying to wave at her and the kid was like, Mary, Mary. But, Like,
0: if you're still going to support Chelsea, you can wave at her from the home end. Like I agree, I I strong agree because there will be a friends and family section in Stamford Bridge for the home, like, for those fans. There. And also, um, this sounds like a very strong counter press complaints suggestion from Becky Taylor Gale, so I'll have to mark that down. But yeah, like away fan culture is is in a a real serious era in WSL, and it's great, and it's been building for the last two or three years, and like this season, I think they've done so well clubs to properly establish away sections, properly establish away ticket sales. Arsenal, I think, are doing so well. Chelsea are building, but then it's like, don't make it so complicated. And then also have <laughs> opposition fighters in there. The whole point is I we think, want that. I we think, don't like, we want the
2: rivalry. I think Liverpool have been quite bad with their ticket strategy for the women. Like when they played at Anfield, because they have this like NFC pass on your phone for your membership that updates automatically when you buy a ticket the tickets for the Anfield game against Everton went off sale 4pm the day before and that's just ridiculous like just have the women's tickets completely separate from the men's if you've got this complicated process that works for the men's football fine but for for the women's team you are doing them a disservice because less people will come if you take them off sale really early I also, someone shook their head at me The, the Chelsea child in front of me shook her head at me she was maybe like Thirteen. Did you try and fight her? <laughs> I was so fuming. <laughs> Lauren, uh, Lauren James skied it over the bar, and I went, "Way wanker." And the kids shook their head at me. I was like, come on, man. Objectively funny. <laughs>
1: exactly. And like, I did the same, actually. Yeah.
2: Look, Lauren James is giving it the bigger when she scores. And I liked that. I yeah. Like, It's you great, know,
1: great weekend for giving it the yeah, London yeah, yeah. girls giving it the bigger. I yeah. was a
2: bit rattled, but I was also like, I respect it. It's funny. You've just scored in front of the away end. And you're like, she's literally like laughing in our faces.
0: <laughs> she, really and I was did. Like, she did laugh. She did laugh. It, it was like a like, evil laugh.
2: Yeah, like, you know what? <laughs> I'm going to respect it. Like and I you want got the satisfaction of immediately. Yes, equalizing. exactly, exactly. And that made it more satisfying to immediately equalize. So I was like, you're like a dickhead
0: now. <laughs> I mean, she won in the end, but <laughs> Patrick, Let- let's get even more into the ticket discourse then because it was the talk of the weekend. We started the Saturday morning with ch- chat about Stanford bridge games and we finished the whole weekend still with that conversation. And we spoke about it on the podcast before and we had a discussion about it then and obviously Not a lot has changed since then, apart from Chelsea men are actually doing better now and the vibes are better on that side of the club. So that is a positive. But it, it is obviously frustrating for Chelsea fans. And we spoke about it a lot on Saturday at the game and in the pub afterwards about the whole conversation because so many people look to what Arsenal did, right? And think it is so easy and you can just copy and paste that work. But it's not just the work of the club. It's not just the work of marketing teams. Obviously, Arsenal put a lot of energy into that. They hired a specific team to you know build that, to find out data, to understand what fans wanted, to, to target them properly at men's games. But also, like having really thought about this quite a lot over the weekend, there's also a very important factor at Arsenal, which is not only are the men's team doing well and people want to go to the Emirates and that, that whole vibe and ethos around the club is a good vibes moment. People who have traditionally not cared about the women's team, who are important cultural people within Arsenal, for example, like bloggers like 1886 or others, are now starting to go to women's games. And it's become cool and trendy and interesting to go to Arsenal women's games. And we haven't really had that before because for whatever reasons, those fans weren't really caring as much but now when you've got so many big names playing for England so many big names around women's football in general like they want to be a part of that conversation and I feel like there hasn't been that same proactive togetherness and movement within Chelsea not only online where you have like those those bloggers or those cultural moments or whatever but also like in the stadium there's not been a conscious effort to like create that atmosphere and as much as the kids behind us were starting some good chance and wanted to shout Rachel Laws what's the score and they're about (laughs) six years old so future (laughs) hooligans love them broadly it was a dead family crown we weren't in like the family section so
2: quiet
0: and I like obviously there are really strong loud supporters groups with Arsenal and I mean that in in a positive way who collectively get certain groups and there are quiet moments the Emirates too but they've been building to make it like a cool interesting place for Gen Z's and Millennials with money who want to go to football they've matches they've got the backing
2: of the cool queers the cool East London yes. queers that's like
0: s- why it's the
1: worst match day experience in the world <laughs> who wants to walk around a football game and see every lesbian you never wanted to see again it's every so- person you've matched with on Hinge yeah, I was about to say it's
0: just like being basically on a dating app um, Jesse, as the Chelsea representative on the The pod. Do you concur with that? I know it's like a multitude of things, and we talked. like, I talked about on Twitter about, you know, supporters' groups maybe like not getting enough down with the kids' energy. But I do think there is a cool factor lacking in the Chelsea fan base. And that's not a slight on you. You're cool.
2: <laughs> <laughs> You're the only cool. You know what fan. What I mean. I Martha guess. Godfrey. Sorry, also Martha Godfrey. You two, the wow. only two. The non binary Chelsea <laughs> fans of all
1: Chelsea <laughs> twins. I, <didn't> <laughs> I, I didn't even
0: know Martha was a Chelsea fan. Well, not part of their brand. They need to work harder. Okay, I um, let them know. But like, genuinely, I do think over the last couple of years, when you see all those accounts which are starting to make like women-specific merch or like buy into that, like I just haven't seen that around Chelsea.
1: I think it's, like you said, a very complex, multifaceted Thing And I think that's why it's such annoying Twitter discourse, because the nature of Twitter is everyone wants a grand conclusion to draw. Whether that's, you know, is it better to win the league or have 40,000 people (laughs) at your game still better to win the league, in my Mm -hmm. opinion. But I think in in terms of Chelsea, I think the club could do more. Um, But I think there's also, it's obviously been commercially for Chelsea there's been a massive change at the club over the past couple of years and I think that's influenced things I think they should be trying harder on this stuff but I feel like they're still sort of getting to grips with how exactly they want to go about these things things like the ticket prices I also think it's really unhelpful that I've seen like Chelsea like influencers or bloggers or whatever you want to call them like quote the £50 number I'm like yeah if you go on about a one ticket price band you can get tickets that are not £50 but if you go on about that you're putting people off going to the game it's like a totally backwards thing to do Um, and I think yeah what Arsenal have done well is that the club have obviously worked hard on it but for me like to understand the key to why Arsenal have changed so much and I think why things have caught on in the Emirates is actually you have to look at Meadow Park. And, like, genuinely, even about 18 months ago, Meadow Park was so shit to go to. They only
0: sold out the the stadium for the first time about a year ago, didn't they? It took a while for them to get to, like, a proper sellout there.
1: Whereas for a long time, King's Meadow has felt like a... a like it, A long time, Kings Meadow and Chelsea were sort of the leaders on that like sort of club specific grounds. And I think that's really important to take in consideration in terms of like Chelsea's reluctance to play at Stamford Bridge. I think for a long time they did prioritise winning at Kings Meadow, somewhere they were familiar with, rather than potentially going to Stamford Bridge and lose. You know, we saw Arsenal drop a lot of points at the Emirates and, you know, maybe the club feels that was worth it. I think they probably didn't think they wanted that to happen. I just think it's natural that they feel a greater connection with the Emirates, a ground that is their ground than they do with Meadow Park, which is a ground they lease from Bore and Wood. So I think, but I think what the fans have done there to create a culture there makes it now a really vibrant and fun place to go. And I'm really happy for Arsenal fans that enjoy, you know, having 40,000 people at the Emirates. But I had so much more fun at the Man City game at Meadow Park. Maybe that's just, like, my personal preference. But, I, like, I would love to see Chelsea sell out Stamford Bridge and it'd be really noisy and really fun. Like, don't get me wrong. But I also really enjoy, like, being at a packed ground with 4,000, 5,000 people. And I think the thing that frustrates me about some of this discourse is this idea that, like, There is just, like, one good in women's Mm. football, and that is to have as many people there as possible. Like, when Chelsea gave away free tickets to the Spurs game at the start of the 1920 season, it was shit. There was loads of people there, but it was shit. Like, I would prefer to have 10,000 people at Stamford Bridge and have every one of those sing than 40,000 and, like, people be quiet. Do you remember that man
0: told us off in the Leon game for standing up?
1: Yeah, and it's like you're always just going to get, like, sometimes you're just going to
0: get weirdos at football matches as well. Well, also, I think if we're going to talk about it, I think we should really reflect on, like, Understanding the like cultural elements of it, and not just looking at like like get match choices and results. Because actually, if you if you want to talk about that, Arsenal's results of the Emirates haven't been that good. Chelsea and Arsenal prefer playing at Meadow Park on a tighter pitch, and that were that's their home pitches that they probably play their best at. Right? You like Emma Hayes has said quite a lot. She's never been super keen on playing more at Sandford Bridge because Kings Meadows their home ground. They like playing in those dimensions. And then taking it to Sanford Bridge, it just changed things a little bit. So I think if you look at it in that way, it's just it's it's a cultural thing for me.
2: I just don't understand why you would want to you would prefer to have how many people there were there on Saturday? They didn't announce it. I
1: think it was around twelve thousand. Yeah. Which like Which is poor. That's even worse than Spurs. And that was yeah. on a this is in a men's international break. Like yeah. the numbers are ridiculous. Like yeah. I'm not I want to make clear that, like, I don't. So I wasn't want more a success, people yeah, to go. Yeah. I just want a more interesting conversation about why that's happening. And also,
2: it's just it was so dead and so boring. You could hear like all the players. If you're at Kings Meadow and it's rowdy and fun, that's such a better experience with what, like, four thousand is the capacity around that than twelve thousand who are just sat there quietly. You, I, I would every day of the week. I would rather take that.
0: And Chelsea have been selling out Kings Meadow for like last, well, pre-COVID they were like selling it out and then obviously was a bit of a weird situation post that. But like what frustrates me so much is everyone kind of wants to, to go into the details without actually talking about like the fans. Like why... Aren't more fans going? Like, why aren't more Chelsea fans and especially Chelsea Man fans going to Sanford Bridge? That for me is the real question. Like, why is that culture not transitioned? Why are those fans not interested? Does why is
1: it, it so easy to build a culture at Kings Meadow exactly. with four thousand people, but you can't even triple it? Like, but yeah, I think that's a really interesting like conversation. And and I don't know. And also, it's you know people talk about, for example, ticket prices. But I will still say, like, overwhelmingly, it feels like at Stamford Bridge, it's very family which i mean is like maybe different from what you'd expect because that's normally like the idea of that's maybe who you put off with higher ticket prices and i think that is a big factor like kings meadow definitely feels more less family than than stanford bridge has
0: yeah there's a very specific women's football fan culture that's been built there but stanford bridge it's like you've got all the women's football fans that come to kings meadow spread out and then you've not really getting a transition of any of the men's fans
2: do you do you think we put too much like Stock in the numbers of people because yes, it's good for the team, it brings in more money, but it's that's not really what's like generating like profit for these teams. And we have these conversations about attendances all the time, and obviously it matters, but I just don't think it's the most important thing. And I think people like really take it really seriously and also like, yeah, use
1: it as like. Um, the the attendance trophy yeah a way to get get (laughs) one up on it's a gotcha for a lot of fans and and I understand you know there's a reason why I called Meadow Park Dedo Park for years it's funny (laughs) like it is funny and it was Dedo yeah Yeah, exactly so you know I understand that but I think what's annoying is when like the gotcha then seeps into like actually having an, you know it's one thing for like some random Arsenal fan to like be doing gotchas I find it crazy that there are journalists trying to do gotchas and I think, but I also agree. I think it is really interesting to ask like, what does that number ha- represent, and the question of sort of atmosphere versus I think for a long time, people wanted the number as a validation that, like women's football is worthy to watch. Yeah. Like I will tell you now, women's football is worthy to watch. I don't necessarily care like how many people think that, but I will say from a Chelsea perspective, I think it's sad that more people don't want to watch the club because it is so clearly the best team in England Mm. in a football sense and has been for years. And the best team at Chelsea. (laughs) And the best team at Chelsea. And has been for years, yeah, so, and that's really frustrating. Yeah, you've got
0: to ask yourself: like, you don't want to see some of the best players in the world, like the most popular manager in women's football, and a team that's won. You've like, got limited everything. time to see her. Literally, that's what pissed me off. I'm like, where? Why are those men's fans not transitioning over? Why are wider fans not coming? Because people. Why will... don't the lesbians like us? <laughs> Genuinely. <General, laughs> you, you need
2: question. more chaotic lesbians on the pitch. You only have whole wholesome lesbians who were
1: just like settled Rebranched. down and calm shall come. I start some rumours about <laughs> yeah. get, place. get
0: Becky to put some I comments need on to TikTok be,
1: I need to become one of those crazy people on TikTok who's like and then this person slept like with
0: this person oh, yeah. Like yeah. the wall yeah. chart people yeah. yeah
2: and like they like walk next to each other in like a team like video and you're like they're together
0: (laughs) but also to both your points right is that initially this conversation was always just about the validation and, and like the numbers weren't were quite meaningless because they were inflated by free tickets or cheap tickets right and that was the discourse before but actually in this new era which is going to be detached from the FA and is going to be commercially driven fans will matter because clubs even though they'll still be bankrolled by the men's team will need to like somehow make a bit more money to prop themselves up and that's why fans will matter and it w- it will move from actually being an important conversation and also a lot of people who are in this new era of women's football are saying like there's no point in having a tv product if the the stands are empty because it looks shit. So we need to fill the stands as well to create a better TV product. We've had that a lot at Brisbane Road, where Spurs play, where often the cameras are facing a stand, which is completely empty. And that looks shit as well. So there's very important... And that's going to be the case
1: on Thursday at Chelsea because they're only selling the east stand so Mm. the cameras will be on empty stands for the whole and that
0: just I think it makes it's such a negative thing to watch and I do think like people need to seriously consider this because if you're going to be building long term sustainable success and Kelly Simmons before she left she's now no longer at the FA but she said she expected WSL to be like the teams to be breaking even or profitable by 2031 so we've still got a hell of a long way to go so if you can't really fill the stadiums now and you're the best team England I'm a little bit worried obviously it won't matter for a the team like Chelsea when say, you're so
1: rich but the but only thing I will say about that is also though what the Arsenal thing shows is like this stuff can happen very very mm-hmm. quickly like I was at the Arsenal Juve game at the Emirates oh, that was bleak it mm-hmm. was and cold <laughs> it was cold it was dead it was quiet like it was miserable and that was the Champions League group stage literally within four months you've got the number of people at Wolfs- Wolfsburg and, and they've they've gone on from that obviously
0: and that Chelsea Arsenal season opener which is like 9,000 the thing that is
2: scary about that is that you can see how quickly it can improve but I don't think that means that it can't go the other way and quickly mm. go backwards mm. well, to that's what, what
1: it was Chelsea's attendances at Stamford Bridge are half of what they were last yep, year yeah
2: yeah so I also think we just need to like maybe like let go of the I think for a really long time people have being like and this is about like the number of attendances are like being like we need to prove that it's viable and that it's watchable because like misogynists are being like eh, no one watches women's football just like forget about them like it's not for them they're not going to change their mind even if Stanford Bridge is packed out because we've sold out Wembley World Cup you know we've had huge attendances in the past few years and they still say that shit so yeah just, block just them out.
1: move on just block out the haters Also, and- Stanford Bridge is Famously, tiny. So it's never going to say, you know, like we could have sold out Stamford Bridge and there would have been less people there than at Old Trafford. And yeah. there will always be less people there than at Old Trafford or the Emirates.
0: Yeah, I think, I, yeah, I completely agree, Becky. We need to just retire the record-breaking references about attendances. Let's just pretend those records are never broken. Let's not talk about it because the more we obsess over it, the more then it becomes this like self-fulfilling prophecy of trying to prove yourself. Every time
2: I see someone like, sincerely reply to a misogynist on Twitter I'm like you are setting back our movement by years tell them they're a fucking
0: idiot and move on like you did to Marvin for when you were setting back the movement Um, we've done so much ticket discourse can I just quickly quickly say can I just
1: quickly say this isn't ticket discourse this is just Chelsea Yes. God, we're good right now. <laughs>
0: well, I wanted to actually talk about that. Um, we are like clinging on for dear life on time today. Um, but two things. Uh, Lauren James, obviously, Massive. unreal performance. Hat-trick and an assist. Uh, living her best life. No Millie Bright. Emma Hayes saying she's fine. What does that mean? Nobody knows. Diarrhea. <laughs> um, Sam Kerr looking a little bit wobbly. Completely classic. Um, but I want to talk about Aggie Beaver-Jones. Not to steal the lie from Lauren James. Lauren James elite, what a player, icon, and I actually thought it was so sweet the way she was saying this season is all about Emma Hayes. And I do actually, I'm quite, I'm worried about her beyond because Emma Hayes has been such a mother to her and transformed her career and just nurtured her into this incredible player. And I'm like, oh, I'm sad for Lauren James when Emma Hayes goes, but Lauren James, what a player statement. Aggie Beaver-Jones, though. We did have a um, a a question from Derek X on Twitter could Aggie Beaver Jones be going into the next England squad, getting a call up, knocking on the door for Serena Viegman? Aggie, 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 can't you see?
1: <laughs> sometimes the girls just hypnotise me. Boo. Um, i I love her.
0: You're high on Beaver Jones. Oh, I'm high on
1: Beaver Jones. Um, hey, I don't see why not. Like I, Jess Parks, like had England call ups <clears throat> recently, and I think Aggie Beaver Jones has done you know easily shown that she's at that like level in my opinion um which i think's really interesting because when they were both at Everton last year it felt like Jess Park was really clear and maybe that's just because park isn't getting as many minutes as beaver jones right now so we're we're seeing more of her um but yeah i think personally my expectation when she was in the squad was like oh i really like hope she gets enough minutes to to justify it and she's she's more than done that to score four goals in you know four appearances is is absolutely bonkers um all of them like totally different finishes as well, which I think is really, really exciting. Uh, took her goal really well. Um, thought she had a really good game, caused Taylor Hines loads of problems. Maybe some question marks on like how Ofe, which she was with sort of like the defensive work she had to do, but she had the parasite behind her. So it was pretty solid, I think. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm buzzing for her. Like Chelsea haven't had an academy player come through for a very, very long time. And it's really exciting to see someone break into the team at that level. And, you know, it feels like she's genuinely like up against Johanna and kannarid for that spot. And Cannerid's also having a great season. So good place to be in. <laughs> um, I don't care if like no one comes and watch. I enjoy <laughs> watching Chelsea. So <laughs> I'm happy living my life. Um, can we just talk about Liverpool though? That's what I'm here
2: for. (laughs) Um, I I just had one more thing about Chelsea to talk about, but fine. We'll drop something in, but we are... Fine, you can go for Chelsea, but then Liverpool (laughs) will be getting some some chat. Get out your shout-out for Liverpool. Well, I just think, again, I think it's very unfortunate that this is the first time I'm in on a Monday to talk about them because I think that they have... They're building something this year. We only only conceded four goals in the whole fucking season before Saturday. And then <laughs> well, like Kate five. said, you have
0: only being a Liverpool women fan for about three months. So what do you know? <laughs> <laughs> no, I think
1: Liverpool. I think Liverpool have had a have a good season. I think. I just think right now, and I mean, it's hard to really. I think judge it until Chelsea play Arsenal but I think right now Chelsea are clearly a cut above the rest of those mid-table teams in terms of the number of goals they're finding they're being able to put past them
2: and that's why I'm a bit like whatever about Saturday like oh, it, yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah Chelsea yeah. smashing went, means nothing I went into that with like a draw would be a great result like it's fine we were really in it for that first half as well I mean obviously it's an own goal but you know, 2-1 at time against Chelsea. I think the growth it's is something great. to
0: commend. And I think that back line, Gemma Bonner, Grace Fisk, Jenna Clark, I'm loving it.
2: Jenna Clark is so tall. So oh tall.
1: Oh my gosh, I know. She's so tall. And,
0: but one last question before we go, you hinted at it there. Ollie Glanville's asked, how big is that Arsenal-Chelsea game on the 10th of December at the Emirates? It's feeling like a real judgment day for both teams because I don't think Arsenal have been convincing whatsoever all season but it will come down to that and they've managed to keep themselves in it by still just losing one game and, and like only one draw as well. So it's like they are still, like if they win that game against Chelsea, could really turn things around. It feels like everything is on that right now.
1: Yeah, I'm bricking it. Um, <laughs> sorry. I think <laughs> a game at the Emirates after the international break will be a really, really big test for Chelsea. Um and I think Arsenal games are like ones that you obviously never take for granted in terms of playing well. I don't think we've had a really, really good performance against them since the FA Cup final, even though like there are games we've obviously won in that time. Um yeah, and I, I think what what feels like ominous now is I do think on paper Chelsea are a lot better than Arsenal, but I've been in that position before. Yeah, it doesn't matter. And it doesn't does matter, it? matter yeah, when you get to that game.
2: Anything can happen. I mean Stoner's gonna gonna score an absolute spinning worldie. (laughs) The spinning top. (laughs) Slapstick goal. Can we just have a a chat about it? Steena Blackspinius. (laughs)
1: Blackspinius.
2: It's the funniest goal I've ever seen. I love it so much. It is really funny. I've watched it a hundred times. It gets
1: funnier every time you watch it.
0: It is really good. And the person who replied to me on Twitter saying it's as if she was taking a penalty. I was like, so true. (laughs) It took Um, her like 30 seconds. Emily Orham did the
2: best the best edit to it and I'm gonna play you the sound it's because this is what it is it's extremely cartoony (laughs) <laughs> That's exactly.
0: I was thinking more what like a Benny here like like if you put it on like two like times two speed or something. But um it's it, well was it was if comedy it was comedy if she can do
2: that. You you've got time to.
0: Well it's because she spent she sent Jocelyn Carabali for a spin.
1: I don't know what everyone else was doing.
0: Um but yeah, we do um we do have to go. Because we've we talked about tickets for about half an hour. I'm really glad that we talked so much
2: about <laughs> tickets that we couldn't talk about Liverpool losing that much.
0: <laughs> see, we did that on purpose to cover Thanks, up. Thanks, guys. For you. Thank you. Um, I'm I mad will, about the tickets. Um, I'll see you guys on Thursday for wow, our big Cute special. Day. Cute. in case you missed Thursday's little announcement yes we are reading clique you a, a romantic slash erotic novel about women's which football which we didn't know it was far racier no than one, I thought no one
2: told me it was smutty so
0: just in case you do have any kids listening I wouldn't say it's PG whatsoever so just yeah maybe keep an but eye their on their they're all so
2: like make your own judgment
0: <laughs> um, but yeah we'll be we'll be tucking into that on Thursday and of course uh, you can listen to LA today if you haven't had time to read it I'm really trying to flick through um, so I'll see you then, guys. Bye.
1: Should <laughs> I say bye as well? I, I hate thought hate you saying were bye going to. Then. Bye. <laughs>